What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, we've got another tribute, this time a 20-year tribute for Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP. And I'm not sure if this is his sophomore or his third album. I think this might actually be his sophomore because I want to say he did an EP first and then the Slim Shady LP. Is that correct or no? Uh, so he has two kind of unofficial releases. Um, okay. This is his, his technically his his major label sophomore record. Right. He first dropped the um, the Infinite record that That's we, right. we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. here and there. Um, that was a project that you know didn't really come out on a, on a major. And then um, he put out the Slim Shady EP, right. which okay, uh, yeah. you know a lot of those records kind of led to his his deal with with Dre and and, and the whole nine. And then then we got Slim Shady LP and then this. Right. And so this one is released May twenty third two thousand. And I remember it being a, a big deal back then. Um, where yeah. were you? Uh, but first of all, let me just talk about, I didn't realize it was going to be a, a boozy brunch kind of day. Yink, are you, <laughs> you sipping on a mimosa? Is that what we got there? Yes, sir. Yo, I, I just want to, you know, for all my, my fellow Alkies out there, just want to put put out there that uh, the solution to prostitution for, for your, your mimosa is... Uh, Put a little bit of triple sec in that joint, yo. It, it, it pluses you up. So okay. yeah, I'm in the building with the mimosa, man. It's a Sunday. We got to do it. How, how strong is that triple sec? Is it is it 80 proof or is it like some weak ass triple sec? What kind? Of- you know better than me, bro. I probably just What's the brand? picked up whatever the cheapest one was oh, okay. and, and, and and grabbed it. I don't even know. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So where were you when this album came out? May 23rd, 2000. Uh, May twenty third, two thousand. I was uh, in Virginia, Oakton, Oakton High School. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a hip hop head. Obviously, um, we talked about a lot of this with the Slim Shady LP. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in in many ways, I was I was in that same place. I think at this point in time, uh, Eminem is solidly the biggest star in rap. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Know, I, He's bigger than Jay Z, right? I think it was actually Jay Z who said, "Only niggas moving units, M, Pimp, Juice, and us," right? Yeah. And like that's literally what it was. It was like the the holy trinity of rap. I mean, DMX was also there, yeah, right. So maybe he was the the fourth head of this. But Nelly, Jay Z, and Eminem were like the the big stars yeah. at the time. Um, and I and I remember this this particular release because. On this particular day, so many kids cut school for this. <laughs> and I remember, you know, it was like, it was like my friends would rotate cutting class to go to Tower Records uh, to pick up this this album. And um, and I remember actually, you know, being tempted to do the same, wow. right? Like like a close group of my friends, somebody had a car and they were like, yo, we about to cut over to go get this Eminem. Like it, it just dropped. Y'all are doing too much. You know? Obviously, I said no, decided to say no, but, you know, even my close friends bounced to go get this album because of how important uh, its release was. So that that's where I was. Where were you? You know, before we get into where I was, important. Important in what sense? Like, that could be unpacked a couple different ways. Yeah. Do you have a definite an answer for that, specifically why the release of this was so important that you had to go get it the first day? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think... This and and we talked about this a little bit with the Slim Shady LP, right? Like right. Eminem created a moment in in hip hop music that was more universal, maybe than any moment we had ever had. Yeah. In that, you know, the suburban kids, you know, knew about him. The 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 hood kids, uh, the the middle America, the hillbillies, like 
everybody wanted to know what you know Eminem was gonna say, and I, and I think. You know, we'll talk about it when we talk about the song for song breakdown. Yeah, but you know, we when, when he comes out with the Slim Shady LP, right? We have no expectations. We don't know who Eminem is, right. so he pisses us off. But you know, by the time we're pissed off, his album is already out, so he doesn't get to respond to us. Yeah. So this is the first album that we get from Eminem, where Eminem is the biggest star in the world. Yeah. And he's this guy that is incendiary and says all this crazy stuff. And now we want to, we the world want to know how Eminem is reacting to this new attention in superstardom. Um, he also can rap his ass off, yes. which we've talked about. So we as the black kids that like that like rap music, we also want to hear what Eminem has to say. We as the, you know, and I say we, you and me, right, as these like raucous kids, these these backpackety, oh, we want to we want to hear super lyrical rap. Eminem can do that too. Yeah. So we we want to hear we want to hear what he what, what he can say. So like it was a moment because Everybody, including people who don't give a fuck about hip hop, people who really care passionately about hip hop, want to know what Eminem's going to say. Dr. Dre is back and in full effect and he's right in his corner. Um, and then this album drops. And I think it was a moment. And let me add, right? He also dissed a lot of people <laughs> who were outside of, of, of hip hop, yeah. right? So like, so he talked about NSYNC and, and Backstreet Boys yeah. and, and Christina Aguilera and all these people. So, so people who gave no fucks about hip hop had their eyes on what, what he was going to say about all these groups on, on, on his album. And so I think that's what created the moment and, and what I'm calling important. Now, was the subject matter important in terms of the grand scheme of the world? Like, I don't know, you know, uh, middle, the Middle East peace process and, you know, and environmental issues. No. But for us, especially as young kids in high school, when this came out, this might have been the most important piece of pop culture that released at that moment. I'm glad that I asked you to unpack that answer because I think it's a, it's a very good answer. Um, and I think it's very necessary to lay the groundwork for our listeners and so it's not just what this album is, but how we're going to analyze the music, especially me. I, I don't know how what you have in your notes, but a lot of what mm -hmm. you talked about are things that I kind of highlight in my song for song, which I did a song for song. Right. And okay. I think that it's not just a big moment in hip hop music, but it is a big right. moment in music period and in, in pop yeah. culture. And I think you're absolutely yeah. right. Where I was, this is going to be my the spring of my junior year in high school. And okay. things that are in my rotation, I mean, Common's in my rotation. Um, okay. Supreme Clientele is heavy in my rotation. <laughs> Black and right. both sides are still in my rotation. Dre 2001 is still in my rotation, right? And at this time, mm -hmm. this is when Koi, Carlos, and my friend Greg, the, the, the four of us are all kind of rapping um, in, in Greg's basement. Mm -hmm. He had like a little karaoke machine that somehow like get instrumentals on there and we would just rap and re record our tapes i still have a few of these tapes i've spoken to carlos about it um <laughs> that's what's up yeah so we're trying to get as many instrumentals as we as we can and just like spit on things but that's kind of when this album yeah. comes out and yeah. i remember specifically where i was was in my computer graphics class i guess or mm -hmm. i'm not sure if computer graphics was the actual term because when i think of computer graphics i'm thinking more of like the code but this was like the mm -hmm. like adobe photoshop kind of shit okay and I remember, um, I'm not gonna say his name, but uh, one of the kids who sat next to me, we were we were really close at the time, really cool rather. And uh, he loved Eminem and he loved Dr. Dre and he loved like that kind of hip hop. I did not yeah. buy this Marshall Mathers LP, but mm -hmm. when we had these these MacBooks, 
are these 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 Mac machines. And if you go back and watch like the Steve Jobs movie, the one where like supposedly it's inspired <laughs> by like his kids drawing, whatever, like the one like the really colorful computers, that's what yeah, we had. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what we had. Okay. And so we would listen to our music either on our own CD because everybody had their own like CD player. Um, we would listen mm-hmm. to it then or we would listen to it just on the computer. And, you right. know, back in high school at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but at the time, you definitely weren't even allowed to bring your cell phone. If you had one, you were not even allowed to bring yeah. your cell phone to school. If you did oh, bring wow. it to school, I think maybe you were allowed to keep it in the locker, but like mm-hmm. it was only for emergencies. Right, like, cause right, no one was right. really using the, their cell phone anywhere. But like pagers, they didn't want pagers in the school because of like supposed right. drug use and shit like that. Drug dealers. But yeah. like your seed, like you weren't allowed to walk around and play like your CD player. Like you could in the morning, but I want to say like as soon as the bell started, you had to put that mm-hmm. shit away. But our computer graphics class, because we're sitting there doing art, like they would allow it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's you know the art teacher knows you're sitting there, you're trying to do your project, and you, you got your CD playing right. So this right. was one of the. This was probably the only time I actually got to listen to this CD was in that class because, like I said, I didn't. I didn't buy this album. It's, I don't. I don't right. think I've, I've, I haven't bought any Eminem album. Okay. So that's pretty much where I was, and like I said, the types of music that I was listening to, you know, mm-hmm. the, the three main ones, like I said, would have been, or the four main ones would have been, you know, Black on Both Sides, Common, like Waterford Chocolate. Ghostface Killer, Supreme Clientele. And then lastly, an important one is Dre 2001 because this album yes. kind of follows up, follows the swing yep. of that. So Dre creates mm-hmm. a lot of buzz and then boom, you've got the Eminem. And right. yeah, it's it's ubiquitous. We love that word here. Um, it's huge, <laughs> it's a big deal. Yep, yep, agree. So yeah, I mean, let's just get into the critical reception of it. Yeah, so from my vantage point, the critical reception was was very favorable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember... I think this was the most talked about, probably the most talked about thing uh, critically. And, you know, that while Eminem was doing the, you know, the TRLs yeah. and, you know, the whatever the big, the big shows were, he was, he was loved, you know, in all, in all of these places. But then he also obviously spoke very critically about like the media and a lot of these outlets. So, yeah. you know, everybody was writing about this album and I think in general, when it was spoken about from a musical perspective, the ratings were pretty much favorable across the board. Uh, what were they your- were favorable across the board. They're even more favorable now. I think that mm-hmm. people have gone back to acknowledge that this is probably his best album. Um, and yeah. I even even like going through it and that period, right? So this album was released mm-hmm. and then the Eminem show is released and 8 Mile is released like... Even back then, I thought I was like, yeah, you know, Marshall Mathers LP is his, is his best album. But I, did, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't a really big fan of the music, so I didn't really care. I didn't dislike it. It just is whatever. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I even acknowledged then that it was a, it was his big album. Um, folks in my class, they loved it, especially the yeah. the non black hip hop kids. The folks yes. who they were always kind of like, it's weird, like hip hop and culture in general. Like, mm-hmm. it's always this weird, I guess lesson or this weird experiment when it's like either you're like you're immersed in the culture or you're like observing it from the outside and then right. depending on where you are within it you kind of think that other people are only kind of looking at it from a specific lens but then mm-hmm. them from their perspective they kind of think that they know everything there is about hip-hop right, and it's right. just like who is right who's wrong i don't know <laughs> all i know is that i thought yeah. that at that time i was fully immersed in hip-hop i was dancing mm-hmm. i was drawing I was writing lyrics. I was getting into mm-hmm. like 
the roots of hip hop. So I thought I was fully in it. Yeah. And I'm looking at all yeah. of these. I mean, shit, even the black kids at the time, most of them were listening to, you know, Nelly or Cash mm-hmm. Money and No Limit or whatever. They're not right, listening right. to like the real shit that I'm listening to unless you're like Carlos or Coy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So these these non-black kids who are, you know, they 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 like the gangster stuff. But even then, like they don't know about like, you know, right. the Ice-T and the Too Short and whoever else like with the history yeah like they right, don't right. they don't they don't know about shit like that they know about snoop dogg and dr right, dre right. and getting your dick sucked and getting high and bitches <laughs> and titties and like they know about that shit right and they know about right, this right. fucking goofy eminem kid and they love him because he's white right, he's a great right, right. The great white hope as snoop calls him um Facts. yeah and so you know that crowd they love this and mm-hmm. man from a musical perspective i don't love this album i think it's good yeah from a musical perspective, I don't love it. It's just not my thing. But I have such mm-hmm. respect for this album. And as a timepiece, I fucking mm-hmm. love this album as a timepiece. Because, oh, yeah. man, like the MTV, TRL, Carson Daly, you know, the, mm-hmm. the thing that you're talking about, like this this album fully like kind of encapsulates that entire yeah. era. And yeah. even sonically, this is a timepiece. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't yeah. want to say the songs haven't aged well. They have aged well, but they're not like mm-hmm. amazing songs. Yeah, um, yeah. But they really, really capture like the ear of where, you know, especially a high school kid was <laughs> at that time. Yeah. So yeah. like I said, to, to wrap this all up, um, it got definitely favorable reviews then. It's definitely gotten even more favorable reviews now. And yeah. the people who loved it back then, you know, they, they still love Eminem. They call him the, the, the greatest MC of all time and all this other stupid <laughs> dumb shit. But um, yeah, this is generally speaking, this is a very highly reviewed album, uh, or highly, highly praised album. I agree. I think, you know, one thing I'll add to what you're saying, because I, you know, I agree with everything that you're saying. And, and to some degree, it almost even takes me down memory lane a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, you, you did kind of have your white kids who think they know some shit because they're angry. Yeah. And they're, you know, still a kid. And, you you know, when you're a kid, your tiny vantage point <laughs> of the world is the whole world to you. Right. So you're like, oh, I know, you know. So yeah, those kids, those those suburban white kids fucking love this shit. It like this wasn't was... even just the suburban white kids though. It was also mm-hmm. like the kids who would kind of be like in another category. You know, maybe yeah, yeah, they're maybe sure. they're like Asian or Middle Eastern or uh, fucking whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, anybody who like who felt a little bit, you know, misunderstood, um, who felt a little counterculture, you yeah. know, because at the time, right, and again, you know, this is astute on Eminem's part, but, you know, what's popular is, you know, all this, I don't know, LFO and NSYNC and yeah. Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. And, and I mean, it was, some of that music is good music and, you know, it was, it, but it was very much a time capsule of the time, yeah. right? And but and it was kind of homogenous, like it, in a way of like popular Abercrombie and Fitch, <laughs> Hollister, white America, right? Like like everything in popular culture all looked the same. Real world road rules, all that, yeah. And so like you know Eminem like kind of offers himself as this counterpoint to all of this shit that's all the same, which yeah. is so funny because now looking at it, like looking back at it, he almost became what they were uh, by yeah. trying to parody them. You yeah, know what no I mean? Shit. Like, and like, we'll talk about it when we talk about the track for track, but like, I was like almost laughing out loud listening to this album just because of how like, fuck those guys, but I'm also those yeah. guys too in my own way this is. But, and then you have the, you know, the black kids, like the, the people who, the urban America, the people who hip hop 
like actually reflected right. <laughs> like where they came from prior to Eminem, right? And like those people respected this, but I don't know if any of those people listen to this like every day and into this very day go back and revisit this. No, I don't think they do. Um, but but you have like a third group that you didn't mention, right? And it's like it's us kids, and you might have even fallen into this, you know, us kids who like. We're trying to rap, thought we could rap, yeah. thought we knew something about rap, right? And so, like, we as this this kind of third group had, like, an appreciation for Eminem yeah. that maybe the, like, black, I can actually relate to the rap music prior to Eminem people did not appreciate it because we were like, man, this dude can really rap his ass off. Yeah. Like, oh, the internal rhyme on this record, oh, yeah. you know, et cetera. Like, you know, I mean, the literary devices, you know, and all the et ceteras, when you break down Eminem as a lyricist, we were appreciating that in a way that I think certain people who just could not relate to what the subject matter was on this album did not, Right. you know? Yeah. So do you want to do a track for track or do you want to get into highlights and lowlights? Uh, let's start with highlights and lowlights and then do we can do track for track. Okay, well, I'm just going to do my analysis as we talk about the song. Okay. My biggest highlight um, is actually Mark the 45 King. And I okay. want to give Mark the 45 King props because I don't think hip-hop gives Mark the 45 King enough props. Well, because he doesn't have that much, like, a big track record. Yeah, he? well, he has, like, records here and there, I agree. He's typically yeah. not the guy that you go to to create an album. And I think right. part of that speaks to the, just the eccentricity of, of Mark the 45 King. Like, if you've ever seen his interviews or anything like that, he's kind of a strange cat. But, okay. you know, I think that that here we get to see that he's responsible for the two records that gave us two of the biggest hip-hop stars of all time as we know them, right? Um, Hard yeah. Knock Life made Jay-Z yep. a star. We talked about that already. Yep. Um, and here, I think Stan made Eminem a catalog artist. I feel mm -hmm. like before that before the record stand, I don't know that like Eminem was like as universally praised and understood as like this guy who can make great music. And when Stan yeah. came out it was like it became undeniable at that point. Like it was like mm -hmm. okay, yo, this dude can make he can write songs. He can make albums. Yes. Like so, you know, Shout out to Mark the Forty Five King. I think his production on Stan is is incredible, and um and that and that was dope. Um, generally, a low light for me was the skits. Okay. However, there's one skit that I think is a highlight, and it is the Steve Berman hey, skit. Hey, hey, what's up? Steve Berman, what's the reason I find the Steve Berman skit as a highlight is because I think that this was the first moment where, in my recollection, hip hop music that was quite obviously made for commercial consumption pulled the curtain back and showed us that there's a bunch of motherfuckers back there that have nothing to do with hip hop and are really just trying to sell records and make money. Yeah. Right. So like on this okay. skit, like you know, you have this record executive who Eminem's talking about and and we get to hear names like Steve Berman and Violet Violet Brown. Like these are names that I was not yeah. familiar with prior to that. And I considered myself this hip hop head that knew about all this stuff. But yeah, so you got this guy and he brings Eminem into his office and he's like, look, you're talking about homosexuals. You're talking about dr drugs. Like I can't sell this. I need you to talk about the shit that Dr. Dre's talking about. Slapping bitches, um, hoes, uh, lowriders, televisions in your car. Like, I need you to say the shit that these other rappers are saying so I can make money off your album or else we won't put your album out. And like, right. while it's like, it's really funny and, you know, it's satirical and the whole nine, I like the fact that like, 
Eminem shows us that there's this whole world of like, I need to create something that is enough of a product that a company feels like they can sell it so that they can make money off of it. I liked that. Yeah, and they made a lot of, <laughs> lot of money off of so this one though, so. All right, um, just a couple records that I wanted to, to, to have as highlights. Um, I think the way I am. Okay. I have mixed feelings about it, right? It's like a highlight and a low light for me, uh, just because of the fact that I remember every angry white kid in America pulling out a notebook and writing this song out word for word and feeling like this song somehow talked about them. Um, and it didn't. I'm sorry. Like, that's not your story. But cool, you know? Um, but, you know, I, I think this is Eminem at his best in terms of like him getting to play the victim. Right. Like, okay. and him, him, you know, in this Reese Witherspoon in, you know, little fires everywhere kind of way. Right. Yo. To me, that's the best way I can compare Eminem on this album is Eminem okay. is in some ways Reese Witherspoon in little fires everywhere. Right. Like he's this okay. like white guy who has like has benefited so much from his white privilege. He's now on top of the world. And at this point yeah. in time, the only way he can view his circumstances is that somehow he's still a victim. And so it's like yeah. this whole album where he's like, yo, woe is me. People blame me for everything. I'm just this regular guy. I'm Marshall Mathers. I'm just trying to live in the world. Meanwhile, the whole world is beating up on me. They hate me so much. And like the way I am is like the perfect like woe is me. I'm crying about how hard my life is as being the top selling hip hop artist of all time. So um, we're going to we're, we're going to revisit. this. Yeah, I, re I really, really respect it. And I think <laughs> who knew is a, another record that also is kind of on this like, oh, man, there's all you. this crazy shit going on in the world. And, and yet that. you people have decided to make me, you know, the, the, the victim. And my favorite thing about the whole the way I am shit is the words the radio won't even play my jam. The, As the reason the I love it is because this song came on the radio every fucking yes. three songs. <laughs> and for the last three years, every Eminem song was like, was just, it was on the radio constantly. You could not avoid Eminem on the radio. And I love that, like, yeah. He's like su such a like a victim that he's just like man like the radio won't even play me as the radio's playing him. I love that. Right. Uh, I love that too. Um, remember me as a highlight. Okay. Um, and, and you like to stick your fingers. And maybe I should cut. I should just just say them, and then when we do the track for track, we can talk more about it. Because uh, I know I know okay. you want to go track for track, so I'll just say it, and we can talk about it when you when you do your track for track. Uh, uh, so remember me is a highlight. Marshall Mathers is a highlight, um, and Amityville is a highlight for me. Okay. So yeah, I'll let you go ahead and go through the, the track for track, and then I'll just piggyback on on your your records. So I don't have any general highlights or lowlights okay. in terms of the song. I think that I, I can't articulate it without actually going through each of these tracks. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that as much as I might have a general highlight, I've already kind of talked about it at the top when I said that I don't necessarily love this album musically, yeah. even though I do think it's good. It's fine musically, it's good. Mm -hmm. um, but I just love this as a as a time piece, a time capsule, as a think piece, yeah. a period piece, whatever. Like there's yeah. so much to, to unpack here. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just gonna go through and give my highlights of the songs and then I'll, I'll give lowlights and we could just talk about each of them. So okay. right off the bat, I'm gonna go with, you know, a highlight for me is, is Kill You. Okay. And I think that one of my problems with slim shady lp is it mm -hmm. generally like i just didn't think the music was very good okay um yeah he's lyrically good but like there's just like a lot of just meh tracks mm -hmm. and like kill you it's a really catchy hook mm -hmm. um 
yeah you got dre doing the thing here um but like i think it's a very very good start to the album yeah um it's a catchy hook like even when i was going back to, to replay it recently mm-hmm. uh, when i went to take breaks and just do other things throughout the day like i, I found myself like singing the hook uh like in my head mm-hmm. and i was like oh yeah like i actually do remember this kind of song that's i don't know it was nice yeah. so i think that the fact that i can get you know an eminem song um which isn't even like one of the best tracks on the album right to be a highlight to to, to be a good catchy song in the beginning mm-hmm. kind of set the tone lyrically for what is the rest of on two yeah. i think for me is a highlight i personally don't think that kill you as a highlight um okay i think maybe at the time i might have however um this subject matter just really did not age well and and okay. the 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 kind of sexual violence violence oh, yeah, against sure. women shit like it doesn't resonate with me and so like i agree with you from an instrumentation perspective i think that mm-hmm. kill you really sets the tone and i really got to give give a shout to you know both dre and melman as well as the bass brothers in that like i think they did a really good job of like giving us a sound that is rooted in hip-hop but then at the same time adding like just enough little hints of live instrumentation and things like that that almost make it like this album is is part rock rock album part Mm -hmm. hip-hop like you know what i mean it's like it's kind of a fusion that i don't know if it necessarily existed in in hip-hop in in a in a good and consumable way prior prior to this you know you had like limp biscuit and you know uh, whoever the fuck else was out at the time but like not in a way that was like authentic Dr. Dre gave it the the you know the stamp of approval like like yeah. had an MC that was you know ripping shit up so I I really respect the sound and I think that this record set the tone for the sound but um just the sexual violence in the, in in the record and just yeah. you know overall um Eminem is 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 peak shock value MC and yeah. and it was and I think you know the reason why this is the there's a reason why this is the first song on the album and mm-hmm. you know this is like peak shock value let me let me add as much shock value as I possibly can in my first song so you get it mm-hmm. but I just I just can't like I can't co-sign it you know and especially when That's I fair. when I look at at the fact that this is produced by Dr. Dre and Dr. Dre standing you know smiling behind him you know to put this out and Dr. Dre is also an artist with a a history of violence against women like yeah i just feel a way about this song that i can't enjoy it that is completely fair um i think that when i say like lyrically is strong it's just we're talking yeah. about like the literary devices as, as you talk about right as yeah yeah for sure for um sure. i think that aesthetically just from the music and from the hook like i said uh i found them enjoyable mm-hmm. in terms of the subject matter first of all i don't disagree with anything that you're saying it's just that despite the fact that like this is a song this isn't the song that actually makes me think about those things oh yeah yeah sure other songs (laughs) that make me think about this subject matter right Mm because to me when i hear this it's like all right if i'm listening to slim shady lp and Mm -hmm. then i start this album it's like oh yeah it's more the same right the difference is is that this is actually kind of fun to sing along to (laughs) you know what i mean like it's it's fucked up but it's actually like i could just enjoy it musically yeah it's weird so i don't know for me it's just it's just a highlight for those reasons yeah um but in terms of the subject matter i mean look you know this isn't even this the only song that we could analyze it from that mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. but for sure, um, for sure you know going right along into stan uh this is obviously a huge highlight for me it was a highlight for yeah. me then yeah and i think that this is probably the most important song in his catalog yes. i think it's the best song in his catalog it might be and and i, I think that one of the things i love about this is it you know Stan has become vernacular mm-hmm. 
and but it wasn't vernacular at the time in fact i don't think that the word stan how we use it became vernacular probably until about probably until maybe like the rise of social media is when like everyone just started using it just because I feel like at the time, like people weren't saying, oh, you're standing for someone, right? Like mm-hmm. there, I, I guarantee you there are kids now mm-hmm. who use the word stand and, and aren't really familiar they with don't the even song. I feel, like, right? I, I feel like I remember it differently. Like I feel like stand and ether are two examples of like words that just became adjectives like right away. Like I, I, I feel like as long well, as I can okay. remember, I've been saying this person's a stand. I, well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I can only, speaking an, anecdotally, mm-hmm. I don't remember people using Stan in their everyday vernacular until yeah. maybe like around 2008, 2009. Okay. For me. So that's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just that's just how I remember it. Maybe I'm misremembering it. Either way, yeah. the fact though that this is vernacular um, and it's a good song musically, yes. like the yes. story that he's telling is really, really fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, the song was so good that the song that it samples, um, mm-hmm. you Dido know, Dido, became, that became a hit after this one. So that song is released <laughs> yeah. first. This song comes out, and yeah. then that song becomes a hit. Yeah, for sure. This is going to sound like I'm trying to clown, and I'm not. But yeah. to me, there are very few songs or, or pieces in Eminem's catalog that make me have a, a respect for, for Eminem's musical mind. Yeah, but just the fact that Eminem heard that Dido record and was like, "Yo, like this is, this is what I need to create." You know what I what I want to create is, I think, is a testament to the way his brain works musically. And mm-hmm. this is the first time I've ever even thought about this. But but what you're saying is true. I think even more so than it being the most important song in Eminem's catalog, it might also really be the best song in his catalog. I, I never thought about yeah. it, but I think it probably is. Um, but I mean, I, I think this song was genius back then, and I think it's still genius today, right? It, it ages well, and it's interesting because it talks about a celebrity worship culture that's only gotten worse since yes. since th- this day, right? So it's like yeah. it's a record that really is a testament to you know talking about the way things were at the time, and it still you know fits today in terms of the the way things are now. So uh, man, I mean, I, I, there's there's not enough good words that I can say about this this record. Yeah. I mean, I think the celebrity worship culture, first of all, it's it's always been a thing so long as we've had celebrities. I mean, Mm -hmm. I want to say that either John Lennon, like someone shot John Lennon to impress somebody else, or maybe they try to shoot Ronald Reagan to impress like Jodie Foster or some shit like that. But I'm just saying like the whole like celebrity worship thing, that's something that's that's going along for a while. Mm -hmm. But as the media evolves mm-hmm. the worship itself evolves and it changes yeah um and it grows for the worst yeah and so other songs on this album highlight the hypocrisy of eminem which we'll get to in a little bit basically when we get to the, the, the way i am and some other tracks on this, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that but either way I, you know i think that to have this song become so early in the album i think is smart um yep. it's a very good song musically yep. It was a very good video and you know i'm glad that this is his best record because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day he is an incredible lyrical talent and um if there's going to be one song i'd like him to be remembered for it Mm -hmm. is this one so yeah and and to again piggyback on what you're saying with the with the video right like Mm -hmm. you know we'll talk about this later on in the track list right but that but the the promo run for this album starts with the real slim shady right yeah and at that point in time you know the blonde haired eminem becomes iconic right like you know anytime you see a kid walking around with blonde hair that's eminem like that's just what it was right and so um i love the fact that with this also being a single 
we kind of get the flip side of the coin of that, you know, like the real Slim Shady was like, oh, ha, you know, I'm a pop star too, but fuck all these pop stars. I'm This is yeah. my middle finger or whatever, whatever, right? And then you get the flip side of like, you guys all worshiping me as this celebrity with blonde hair where you have the kid with the blonde hair and he kills himself, you know, trying to impress Eminem. And his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, his uh, pregnant girlfriend. Yeah, but so, you know, um, I, I think that also, you know, where it, where it falls in terms of like Eminem giving it. I always love when you have social commentary, but you give the flip side, you know. We talked about mm-hmm. it on, um, I don't remember what episode, but we were talking about the whole drug dealer rap thing, you know, and yeah. how like, it's it's great to make an album about hey guys I sold drugs haha you know it's great but like I don't really you're not impressing me until you have at least a record where you're telling me what it really feels like to be a drug dealer like it's not all yo I have a lot of money it's also like yo I'm paranoid I'm waking up in the middle of the night because I think motherfuckers are gonna kill me like you know so just having the flip side of that coin I think is what makes this interesting and relatable and and so that's another thing that's important about this song yeah the only thing that kind of annoys me about this song um it's not so much this song it's kind of just like eminem in general and what he's trying to do on this album is it like he tries to draw the line where it's like okay you could take eminem seriously and then you don't you shouldn't take eminem seriously and i think that obviously if you're an intelligent person if you're an intelligent listener Mm -hmm. you can kind of figure these things out right but i think that he just makes it seem like, oh, well, of course you shouldn't take me seriously. Oh, well, of course you should take me seriously yeah. now. And it's kind of like, you know, you can't really pick and choose all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't get frustrated when people kind of find it difficult to do that. Yeah. And I think that he kind of likes to absolve himself of any kind oh, of responsibility yeah. oh, that yeah. he has. And yep. in his last verse, as clever as it is, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a message to all of us. Yeah. It's like, hey, like if any of this stuff resonates with you, you should get help. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, all right, well, why the fuck are you making this music? Right, too? exactly. You know? Why is this what, what's in your brain and, and what you want to put out there? Yeah. But, um, you know, we get into my next highlight, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is Who Know. And I think the reason why I like this song is, mm-hmm. first of all, again, it's a musically aesthetic song, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it sounds good. Um, I like the hook, but I love the the first bar when he says, "I don't do black music, I don't do white music, I make fight music for high school kids." That line to me epitomizes this entire album because, mm-hmm. you know, that's exactly what this music is. I think that if you were someone who was even in their twenties mm-hmm. at the time listening to this music, you would have been like, "Man, like." You know, Eminem, you're doing too much. Like, what the fuck is this? But in, in right. high school, man, like people, this shit really worked for kids. Yeah, like they for sure. they really dug this music. Yeah. And I'm listening to it now and I can go back and I can appreciate it. Yeah. And I can respect it. But I'm just like, wow, like, you know, if this were to come out today, forget any of the PC shit. Like, forget all of that. Right. I'd just be like, yo, like, who wants to listen to it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I agree with you that it's a highlight. Um the hook is good, right? Like it's like good right. enough. The bounce of the beat itself is dope. But I think again, this song kind of epitomizes like what what we love about Eminem, right? In that right. like it's, it's yet another record where he's absolving himself of any responsibility for <laughs> for anything that he's done right. or been been responsible for. But you know, at the same time, it's also Eminem's way of of giving his own social commentary, right? Of like there's all this crazy stuff going on. There's Columbine, there's this, there's that. Like, I'm gonna make jokes about it, but at the end of the day, like, you as a parent, it's your responsibility to make sure your kid, like, does what they're supposed to do. Which and, it is. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's not my responsibility. I'm just this guy 
who is making this these songs. Like who knew, which again, yeah, it's no. so funny. Who knew that the whole world was gonna hear these songs and then like suddenly I would be blamed. Cause again, it's it's the Reese Witherspoon theory, right? Like yeah. I would be blamed for all this terrible stuff that's happening in the world. But at the same time, you gotta respect the fact that he has a song where he is telling you about all the things that's happening in the world. And yeah. when we talk about this, this album as kind of like a time capsule to what was happening in 2000, like, you know, all the Columbine references and all mm -hmm. the, you know, the different references that we have on here really do take me back to where things were at the time when, when this album came out. Well, speaking about the Columbine reference, we're going to get into the next track. And I'm mm -hmm. not going to do the highlights in, in, in one segment and lowlights. Yeah. Let's just keep doing this track for yep, track. Yep. It just makes the most sense that way. Uh -huh. And so for me, we get into my first lowlight. And that is the way I am. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised it's a lowlight to you. I think at the time I liked it. I think at the time it was mm -hmm. a highlight for me. It is a retrospective lowlight. Um, <laughs> so first of all, let me just give it props for the Rockham reference. Yeah. You know, um, I'm the R to the A to the K I M. And if I wasn't, then no, why I would I say I am? You know, I, I yeah. that line continues to get referenced a lot. So I, you know, we we got a reference here. Um, Eminem produces this track. Mm -hmm. He's the sole credited producer on this track. So you, I guess you give him props for that. Yeah. In terms of you know, I think recently we posted on our Facebook something about like Eminem not getting enough credit for a producer. So here you go, he, he got one of his tracks. Yeah. But I think this isn't the only song where he highlights his own hypocrisy, but I think <laughs> the reason why I, I don't like this song is because this is supposed to be one of his more serious records. Yeah. Right, and he's the way, you know, this is like angry Eminem shouting. So right, he's supposed right. to, you know, be for real. It's like, no, like, you have so much fucking white white privilege <laughs> and this song just encapsulates all of yes, it. yes yes it's like look you know you're talking about all this controversy mm. you fucking asked for it yeah you did and here's the thing i i think that every single artist is allowed to create a character that they feel and, and put it out to the world and, and and roll with that so when you have like these people who might come from, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have these artists who come from the hood or the ghetto or whatever, and maybe they're not like in the streets mm -hmm. gang banging and selling drugs, but mm -hmm. they see that and they, they create this character, they create this image and they put it out there. Fine, like, you know, that's art, you can do that. And for you, Marshall Mathers, Eminem, you can create this slim shady character and right. put it out there. And right. I get that, that's fine. But the difference between what what those artists did and what you're doing is that you're intentionally fucking trolling. Right. You you you've been trolling for the last two years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And now it kind of blows up in your face and it's like, well, I don't want that responsibility. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like that's exactly what the song is. Yeah. And it's like, look, you're right that you talk about Marilyn Manson, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Marilyn Manson isn't trolling with his music. At least I don't think so. I don't know all of his music. I know a, a few of his songs. Um, the Beautiful People is one of my favorite records. A lot of people like that record. That shit is dope. But, you know, I'm not sure if, if Marilyn Manson was trolling. Plus, like, if you hear, if you hear, I think his name is Brian Warner. I forget okay. the actual, uh, the guy's actual name. Okay. If you hear him in interviews, like, he's really, really intelligent. Oh, he's a smart cat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's really intelligent. And I think that, you know, the media definitely painted him in a more unfair light than they painted Eminem, right? Like, I think that Marilyn Manson, even the whole name Marilyn Manson, mm -hmm. comes from, you know, Charles, Charles Manson, Charles Manson right. and Marilyn Monroe. Right. And it's this whole, like, pop culture fascination with the two of them. It's kind of like this, 
I don't know. Uh, it's just but, a whole play but, on all of that. But wasn't wasn't Marilyn Manson also trolling? Like like if I remember, and again, I, I, this was not my lane. I, yeah, I was, it wasn't this my, wasn't my music. I I I don't I couldn't name a, a Marilyn Manson song. So so right. you know, there's that. But what like everything I knew about him was you know. The, the main thing that people talked about when I was in high school was supposedly Marilyn Manson removed a number of his ribs so that he yeah, could suck that, his own that dick. Wasn't, that wasn't um, true. Though. You know, Marilyn Manson, you know, worships the devil. Um, all, I'm not you know, sure if that's true either. So, but like, all, like all of this was like this. Like, was was he not also using the media to troll in order to you know build up his his reputation and his media attention as well? So I can't speak to that just like you can't speak to that because we don't mm -hmm. know. We, we didn't listen to his music. Right. We weren't in that lane at the time. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not familiar with enough of his songs to, to, to give, you know, a really good appointed answer on this. I, I'm not yeah. appointed answer rather. But um, all I can say is I'm not sure if his music was deliberately trolling. Okay. I, I don't know if it was or it's not. But, I his, know per, but in his personal was. life, he was trolling for sure. Well, he didn't, he, like, that shit about removing the ribs, like, mm -hmm. that's a rumor that someone made up. Like, that's not true. Uh, okay. And I have no idea if he worships the devil or not. Yeah. I, I, that's a whole other side conversation, okay. um, which, yeah, it's, that's too deep to even get into here. <laughs> he didn't remove his own ribs, and that's just a rumor that someone came up with. He's <laughs> so talked that any time it's brought up in the interviews, right? Yeah. So, you know, I just, I know for sure that Eminem was intentionally trolling. Oh, for sure. And I think that in some ways, I kind of feel bad for Eminem because he's a person who's really talented mm -hmm. and this is like the proof of like this song and his whole catalog of music around this time is just like the result of someone who is very talented musically mm -hmm. who has nothing really worth talking about at least at yeah. the time right yeah. i think that right now you could probably talk about these problems in white middle america mm -hmm. and people could empathize with it but at the time mm -hmm. hip-hop no one gave a shit and i think mm -hmm. as a result of that eminem didn't really have any other choices which is why he has to create this alien image but now mm -hmm. when it's coming back in his face again mm -hmm. your white privilege is like well i don't want to take responsibility i'm just gonna sit on this track and, yeah. and complain and moan and it's just like no, nah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not buying it. But I'll make I'm a, not buying I'll, it. I'll make a counterpoint to that, right? And and this actually piggybacks on what Panama said on the episode that nobody's ever going to hear that we're just going <laughs> to keep talking about because we're crazy, right? Um, Panama made a point where he, you know, he said, "Shout out to Panama, by the way," where he said, "You know, I think the, that the reason why Eminem is making music that's uninteresting to us now is that Eminem needs a boogeyman." Yeah. Right, and he used he used Ice Cube as a parallel, which we will we'll remove that from this conversation for the sake of, of right. focusing on Eminem. But you know, basically, he was like, you know, Eminem kind of needed this boogeyman, somebody to you know to fight against, to punch at, and then you know he made his best music when he had something to punch at. Right, sure. once he no longer had something to punch at, then we didn't care about his music anymore. And I think. I think the reason this album is peak Eminem and the reason mm -hmm. this album is Eminem's best for, for uh, you know according to most people is because Eminem has his best opponent, right? So okay. like if you really break down like like his his albums, right? Like his his music, you know, you have the 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 Slim Shady LP, right? This is the first Eminem, right? The first Eminem that we as the world got. And so as a result of that, Eminem is battling his own reality, right? So, you know, he's talking about his mom. He's talking about p poverty, like from his perspective, not, you know, not having any money. He's, he's rapping about bullies. 
he's rapping about teachers that hated on him, right? Like so, right. So, so that that is a, a formidable enough opponent that it's interesting to us, and, and and he puts that album out, and it's 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 a good it's a good enough album. We've reviewed it on this podcast, right? Like, there's good stuff there. He raps really well on there, um, and then we come to this album. Now, when we get to this album, I think Eminem has his best opponent. Right, mm-hmm. I think on this album and on the Eminem show as well, right? Because I, I kind of connect these two albums. That's fair. Eminem's opponent becomes the world, right? Because mm-hmm. at this point in time, now he's still kind of an underdog to some degree because he's like this this white rapper in a world where he's kind of the first superstar validated white rapper, yeah. not not like a yeah. Vanilla Ice, but like a legit, no. you know, factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, he, he all this stuff is going on in the world. Columbine is the first kind of kid involved mass shooting um you know and and all this stuff is being put on his plate and for the first time he's put art out there and the world has an opinion on it and this is him punching back to the world for all of what they've said about him right yeah and so like this is his most formidable opponent and as a result he's giving us his best material because he's responding to that um, yeah. And and the Eminem show, a lot of those records are are, are in in a similar vein to to this one with you know him kind of punching back at the world. I think what happens though later in his career is he no longer has the, a, a formidable opponent, right? So yeah. once you've made two albums punching back at the world for for their criticisms of you, it's like all right, what else? So now you know we get relapse and recovery and you know so he's got an album where he's he's punching he's 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 fighting drug addiction and then he's got an album where he's fighting you know his own sobriety and then he's got an album where he's just fighting himself like these are not formidable enough opponents for us to care and he yeah. has nothing to rap about but i think you know with the the way i am you know one of the reasons why it's one of Eminem's most popular and most known songs I think a lot of people, white people can relate to this shit, bro. And I think- I'm sure they can. You know, yeah. going back to this Reese Witherspoon example, and sorry, I, I just finished the show a, a couple of days ago, so it's top of mind yeah. for me. No, but it, like, it's great. This is the ultimate song of like, oh my God, everybody's picking on me. Like the world hates me. I'm just yeah. trying to be a, a guy and everybody's saying that they don't like me. Like this is the perfect song of that. And mm-hmm. again, like every time I hear this song, it reminds me of kids, angry kids in in class writing out the lyrics to this song. Yeah. Like, and, and it's just, it's just so crazy. I think it's interesting that you call it a low light. I don't necessarily call it a low light because I don't think it's bad musically. Yeah. I just think it just it, it to me might be one of the most white privileged hit songs of all time. That, and that's fair. Like yeah. I said, it's a retrospective low light right, because right. I'm like this sh- showcases that so much. Right, it's just like, right. No, it's I so can't, obvious. I can't co-sign this song. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but so, and the reason why I said earlier that I wanted to revisit it is yeah. because you know I think that you and I actually have kind of the same take on this song. Uh-huh. But for you, it's a highlight, and for me, it's a low light. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong either way. It's just kind of how we decided to, 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 you know, that's just the basket that we put it in. Right, but right, right. It's, it's interesting. Um, so now we're going to get into one of my retrospective highlights. Okay. At the time, I did not like this song. Okay. And that is The Real Slim Shady. Wow. I did not like the song at the time. Okay. I love it now. Wow. Because of everything that we talked about previously, okay. right? So, so here's the thing. Uh-huh. This song, to me highlights where Eminem was musically at the time. Yes. And where we saw him in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was on Ruckus and, and he was on the, you know, Sway and Tech. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And delivering these dope ass, 
you know, freestyles and right, verses and all that right. shit. But like Eminem was not a hip hop star. Eminem was a pop star. Yes. And the thing is, is like, you don't hear him coming at Jay-Z. You don't hear him coming at, mm. you know, DMX. The, the closest he comes at to that lane Yo. is like Will Smith. Well, you know I mean, mean but, he, he but did Will jump Smith, in on the on the Ja Rule beef later, but fine. But I'm talking about at least on this album, right? The closest person he comes to from that lane is like Will Smith. That's right. And Will Smith at this time is not like summertime. You know, parents these days just don't understand. Right, right. Will Smith, like this is like Pop post star. Fresh Prince of yeah. This is like Will Smith, the biggest actor on the planet, getting jiggy with it. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? So like that's the closest he's coming to from that lane. Everybody right. else he's attacking is a pop star. Right. And that's what Eminem was. Mm. These, this NSYNC shit, this mm-hmm. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, mm-hmm. all these boy and girl groups, which he clearly can't stand, and that's fine. Right. I didn't like him either. Right. But I'm like, that's who you were. That's who your opponent is. Yeah. And I think that this song just highlights that to me. It rem- that's so crazy. At the time, I wasn't thinking about it. But yeah. I'm listening to it now, I'm just like, that, that's who your opponent is. That's who you are. It's interesting because I hip-hop never... Hip-hop is a genre of yeah. music that you're using. It's an art that you're using, but you are a pop star. I never, thought, of, I never thought about the fact that he, did, he didn't punch at, at, at rap artists. Um, and that's really interesting, you know, to say because it's my first time even thinking about it. But I think, you know, to another degree, that's what made him the pop star that he was, right? And to, yeah. and to some degree, like you said... You know, it made him everything that he said he hated, right? Yeah. Like, you right. know, you running around with blonde hair, becoming a caricature of yourself. How does that make you any different from these kids singing about Abercrombie and, and fucking Hollister? Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, I, I put this on, you know, the meh lights. Yeah. Re- reason being, musically, it's not a bad song, right? The yeah. beat is good. The song is catchy. It's fine. But oh my fucking God, I hate this song. Um, it That's is fair. the most that is absolutely fair. It is the most early 2000s song that there ever possibly sure. was. Like literally, sure. when I hear this song, like it just takes me. It, it makes me want to shoot myself in the head because it just takes me That's back fair. to where I was at the time. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't know. This is the time where hip hop became some like we're all in it together type shit. Like you know, I yeah. feel like I was I was okay with being like this angry black kid that listened to hip hop and like it was it was counterculture and then like Eminem brought like like came to this point where it was just like all the white people were just like oh hey yeah we all love hip hop Eminem you know he's the greatest rapper in the world and you know it made yeah. a, it created this like oh shared experience that just wasn't really fucking shared and um man I fucking hate this song dog like, this, mm. song, this song is so bad to me like I feel like and you we, we talked about this on the on the Slim Shady LP uh, episode my name is made rap accessible to angry white kids right yeah um it was like you know it talked about the experience of being bullied it talked about you know your teachers looking down on you it talked about drugs uh in the family it talked about you know poor family dynamics something about like this dude greg and his class slept with his mom you know all these concepts that we had never heard before in hip-hop and it made it relatable to angry white kids to Mm -hmm. me the real Slim Shady is the song that made rap music accessible to all of white America. At, <laughs> okay. at this point in time, it, it was no longer like, you know, first it was like rap is for the inner city, right? Then after that, it was like, you know, you because you so you had like these, you know, larger than life gangster things. People were like, oh, those gangsters over there. Then it was like Eminem made this this angry 
you know, white guy rap. And then it was like, angry white kids were like, yeah, you know, I relate, you know, like, I, like, I, oh man, my, my existence is hard too. When this song came out, the same white kids who listened to LFO, who listened to Christina Aguilera, who listened to Britney Spears, who, who shunned rap music and their parents and their older brothers and their uncles and their aunts, the people who like, Rap music was just not for them or about them, and they, they weren't even interested in it. Suddenly, they were interested in it, and they related to it, and they were a part of the moment, and it just got weird, bro. <laughs> so I think I'm going to challenge you on something while also okay. agreeing and potentially putting some words in your mouth. Pause. I know, but I think that one of the things we need to do to clarify is mm -hmm. also recognize that one of the reasons why hip-hop sells started ballooning in the 90s is because yeah. more white people were listening to this. It's very true, and I very true. Think I think that what you mean is that it wasn't so much that, you know, white people weren't, white kids weren't listening to this gangster music because mm -hmm. they were. Yes. Um, and they and they loved it. Yeah. But I think that what Eminem did and this song did was make them think that, oh, hip hop is something that I can actually participate in. Right. Not from like the fishbowl right. perspective. It right? wasn't like, actually it wasn't like watching, like watching Terminator 2 or watching, yeah. watching Boys in the Hood. Right. Which was, which right. is what they were doing when they were listening to the chronic and doggy style. Right. It was like, oh, right. wow. Look at those gangster black people over there. That's crazy. Yeah. But now it was like, this is a white guy, somebody who looks like me, who's rapping about shit that's relevant to me. Uh, mm -hmm. Christina Aguilera is relevant to me. Um, you know, Backstreet Boys is relevant to me. Um, you know, drugs are relevant to me. The, the, the topics yeah. and subject matter that this person is rapping about makes hip hop something that is relevant to me and my life. I don't know yeah. that that was a thing for all of America until this song. No, and I agree with you. And I think a, a, a very good example of that would be the Beastie Boys, right? right. Because I think that, you know, the Beastie, Beastie Boys is an interesting one to look back at because yeah. while they were, I guess, technically hip hop, while they were rap, to be honest, I sometimes struggle to categorize them in that in that lane. And I think that some hip hop scholars might as well. Maybe, maybe people will disagree with me on this, but it's just like, I think that you know, the fact that Beastie Boys wasn't that kind of highlights just how kind of much mm. in like their own kind of just lane the Beastie Boys were in. And they were yeah. very, very, very commercial, very popular. Yeah, yeah, They, for they sure. sold well. They sold uh -huh. well for sure. But I yeah. think that Beastie Boys was kind of in his own conversation yeah. when it comes to like hip hop. Yeah. And Eminem was in the actual hip hop conversation. Yes. yes. And I think that that is kind of the difference there. And maybe you're right. Maybe this is the song that does that. Yeah. I mean, I so, think this is the one. And I think. You know, I hear this song and it just it just brings back. It, honestly, when I hear this song, the my first thought is a hundred white guys with blonde hair on TRL yeah. dressed just like Eminem, and that being like a moment. Um, Wasn't th didn't that actually happen? Yes, that sounds familiar. Yeah, okay. That was like <laughs> that was how they rolled this out. Like you know, they they yeah. premiered it on TRL. They had a hundred white guys, you know, all with with their with their hair blonded, looking just like Eminem, and then Eminem was on the couch like I'm the real Slim Shady. And all these other people are imitating. And then literally I had to hear every white kid ever in the whole world sing this song. And it just almost gives me nightmares when I hear this song. Like, I don't even know if I can listen to this song all the way through because, look, oh my God. Look, it's so let me tell you, like I said, at first this was a low light, right? And yeah. you can relate to this as well. But whenever we go back to listen to some of these albums, sometimes we like, we skip certain songs because we know it so well. Yeah. And my first listen through this album, I skipped this. I was like, oh, I don't need to listen to this. Mm. And then I was like, oh, you know what? Let me actually just go back and listen. And then mm. I went back and listened to that. And that's when 
my entire analysis came to me. So I'm yeah. glad that I did. And that's when I was like, you know what? Yeah. Retrospectively, this is a highlight. Because again, what I love about this album isn't so much the music. It's uh -huh. it's the time cast, capsule yeah. perspective from it. And yeah. this song is like a perfect time capsule yeah. song. When you so talk I, about I the time capsule, that you you can't have the time capsule without this song. This is the yeah, exactly. one that you go to that, that takes you back to 2000 for sure. So the next track to me, I think is kind of a filler track. And for you, it's a highlight. And that's Remember Me. And yes. this is the one with Sticky Fingers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the song was fine. Mm -hmm. I don't love it. I don't dislike it. It's cool. Um, yeah. I guess this would be more of like the real hip hop, if you will. I just, yeah. I didn't like, who's that? RBX? RBX, yeah. I don't really even know who it, the fuck that is. It's so interesting, right? Because typically everything we talk about when we, when we give, you know, when we talk about Dr. Dre is like kind of, we give him props about everything. And we, he kind of gets this great, like this retrospective lens where, you know, it's like everything that you did is amazing. It's interesting right. that Dre was like trying to, to, you know, sign RBX and feature him as the first or one of the first artists to come out on Aftermath. Because like, I think on this song, we really get to see that RBX just is not a star. And, and I, don't, <laughs> I don't mean that in any type of negative way. I love RBX's voice. Um, and he, to some degree, he's kind of a relic of that, that, you know, death row era. But the reason I love this song um, is because it's, you know, it's, it's shock value Eminem, but the beat is just such like a stripped down, just, you know, just dark, like hip hop record. Okay, um, and, I can see that. And, you know, and none of the people on this record, other than Eminem himself, right, are like bona fide superstars at this point, mm -hmm. right? And so this is just a stripped down, dark rap record. Um, and Sticky is just so ill on this. So, yeah. so ill. And, you know, it also reminds me that around this time, you know, Dre was really trying to sign Sticky. Yeah. And, um, and I think it was either just before this song or after this song was made, Dre offered Sticky something like a million dollar advance to sign to Aftermath. And he ends up choosing to sign somewhere else. Um, that's where we get the, the Black Trash Kirk, uh, autobiography of Kirk Jones album that we, mm -hmm. we talked about. He ends up choosing to sign somewhere else. And I think, you know, he, he's another person who will kind of tell you that they feel like that this was one of the biggest mistakes that they made in their lives. Because yeah. I think Sticky really could have been something. Um, and I think that this record is just another display. We talked about it on the Pete Rock uh, Soul Survivor episode, but just another display. I like of, the verse on that more than I like the verse. Oh on this yeah, one. but but I mean, this yeah. is also like kind of like a concept record, right? Like it's yeah. like, oh, remember me, uh, horrorcore, yeah. ah, you know, type of shit. And yeah. I think Sticky's voice is perfect for this, and I just kind of like the concept. I thought it was good. Okay, all yeah. right. I don't have much to add to that, um, yeah. nor do I have much to add to this next track, I'm Back, which is a low light for me. Really? And it's not its not that I think <laughs> it's bad. I just think it's its kind of a just like a basic song. Yeah. Um, it grows tiresome. Look, mm -hmm. you know, if this record were on Slim Shady LP, I'd probably like it. Mm -hmm. The music is better on Marshall Mathers LP, mm -hmm. but I think that this song just kind of like, oh, it, just, it just feels kind of basic. It's like a Agreed. simple song. And I, yeah. It's just nothing special about it. I have it. it as a meh light as well. That's probably more that's probably more fair. And it's you know what? Like light. you know, I don't I don't love it or hate it. Um I almost think that, you know, because of the fact of the, the problematic issues that I have with Kill You, yeah, maybe this should have been the intro. 
And okay. and the reason That's I say that is fair. because you know it kind of it ad- it addresses all the things that Eminem wants us to know about on the song. It's not nearly as yeah. incendiary as Kill You, and yeah. and I think the incendiary nature of Kill You as the first song is 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 very important to what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um. I think the other thing that it has that maybe other records do not have, and the one thing that I would call it a differentiator is, and we've talked about this before, but like the idea of putting kids on a hip hop song. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the. Shady, you know, like the right. little kids with the little the little bells. I think it's something that you know kind of just highlights the whole like ah, you know, your kids listen to me even though I'm saying all this fucked up shit or whatever. Um, but again, like you said, it's it's a very middle of the road record and it talks about a uh, subject matter that we hear on other songs, so it's mm-hmm. not necessary in you know from that perspective. Okay, uh, the next track for me is a highlight and I believe it's a highlight for you as well and that's Marshall Mathers and yes. this is another one that um Eminem is gets a producer credit on this I think he's yep. one of the co-producers with the with the Bass Brothers yep um you know I, I like that some of the hypocrisy that he's highlighting in others of, of course we've talked about Eminem's own hypocrisy right um I love the idea that you know Vanilla Ice is taking shots at him but then he goes and dyes his hair right, and, right. And that shit was hilarious but um yeah, you know, again, he's going after all the same shit that he ultimately is. You know, I wonder if this is like Marshall Mathers, Eminem, self-loathing, you know? Huh. I wonder. I wonder if this is part of it. I know? honestly think he just doesn't get it. Yeah. You know, the way Reese I mean, Witherspoon was, doesn't get it. Like, you know, yeah. I honestly think that this is one of the... This is the best album cut to me on this album. Um, okay. This is a great, a great song. I think this yeah. is the best introspection we get on this whole album. Okay. Um, I like that he had, he was able to address it, all his haters. He he called some of them out by name, right? The whole second yes. verse is, is like him naming like Insane Clown Posse and all these people right. and talking about stuff. But um, yeah, like it's it's it, like you said, it's another like, woe is me. I'm just a regular guy. Why do these people have these negative things to say about me? And it's like, bro, like you literally create controversy on purpose for people to talk about you. And then you whine when people talk about you. Like, what do you want to happen here? What's your, what is your ideal like outcome when you make yeah. what you make as your art? It's it's interesting for me because I think that you know I said that the way I am is a retrospective low light, and I'm mm-hmm. sticking to that. Mm-hmm. But for me, for whatever reason, this track is a highlight. Yeah, it's a highlight. I think it's because it's just his delivery is more subdued. He's not mm-hmm. like yelling at folks, and he's still kind of. The same, the message is still kind of the same, but I don't know, for whatever reason, I just like this one better. You know, one thing I got to give to this, so the, the, the production is, is great on this, but um, I think, you know, and, and in a time where you didn't necessarily need melody in the same way to, to sell records, I yeah. think the amount of melody on this track is perfect. And I think that's part of why we love it so much, right? So mm-hmm. like, you know, the I'm just Marshall Mathers, very sing-songy. Right. Um, and then even in his verses, right? Like, um. He takes the LFO hook, uh, you know, the new kids on the block suck a lot of dick, nah, girl, girls right, make right, me right. sick, you know, so he yeah. like, he injects melody here and there in a way that makes the song really interesting and kind of, you know, just kind of pushes you through the track um, in a way that maybe he didn't do on some of the other records that are supposed to be this introspective. The, the only other, other thing I'll kind of sit out to me is that I think that, you know, on this track, Eminem talks about like how like, oh, you know, you can... If you want to, you can come see him in the streets and he's willing to throw down. And I'm like, right. yeah, not, I'm not sure I'd buy that. Um, maybe. He was a, he was not, I don't know if he's like fit now, but I don't ever remember him being like a kind of a brolic dude. 
Maybe he's got a switchblade or something in his pants. I think but, he's also not know. a bitch, though, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't. Okay, I'm I don't, not saying he's a bitch, but that doesn't mean that, like, I don't know. Of maybe. all the people in the industry, I don't think Eminem is the person I would think would not fist fight somebody. Like, I don't not okay. believe him here, right? Like, he, he doesn't come off to me like he's saying, I'm a tough guy, I'm a super Terminator. But at the same time, he's like, yo, if you got an issue, come see me. Yeah, and, I, and I All don't right. believe that he wouldn't fight somebody who wanted to fight him. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the next song for me is definitely a highlight, and that's Drug Ballad. And the reason why this is a, is a highlight for me is because I want to say that they did something similar, Very similar. on Slim Shady yes. LP with this, um, Come with on this everybody. featured artist. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, everybody. Right. It also features uh, Dina Ray. Yes. And... Um, it just sounds so much better on this album than it does on some shady LP. <laughs> yeah. And so because of that, I have to give, I have to make this a highlight. Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying is interesting. Um, the reason I, the, the positive that I'll give to this song, because I think this is really a filler song, but the, the positive that I'll give to it is that I, I just don't think that I really heard drugs celebrated in hip hop before Eminem. Right. Um, and you know, here he kind of doubles down on it, right? And mm -hmm. he's like, really, just like, yeah, like I'm, I'm fucking with drugs. This is what I'm about. And I think, you know, I don't think it was. And I, and I, when I started listening to this song, two two things struck me. One, when was the first time I heard drugs really celebrated by a popular artist in hip hop? And two, who the fuck is Dina Ray? Those were my two questions. Yeah. And so yes. I started to yes. do research. So on the first topic, I realized that in 2005. I went to record an EP in the Bay, uh, you know, San Francisco, Oakland area. Um, I went to this um, this studio called Soundwave Studios. Shout out to everybody in East Oakland who records at Soundwave Studios to work on this EP with my man Steve Walker. Shout out to him. Um, and I remember it being my first time seeing black people do drugs. Like, okay. and, and by drugs, I, I mean, mean hard not weed. Drugs. Yeah, hard yes. weed, hard drugs, not weed, like whatever. Like seeing black folks on pills, seeing people do it. Like, yeah. like all these things were, it was crazy to me. So now, you know, rewind. This is five years before that, you know, in 2000, I didn't know people who really did drugs like that who weren't white. I didn't either. And so like the way, the way he's kind of like celebrating drugs, but like in a hip hop way, I think to some degree, you know, is, is novel in hip hop at the time. Mm -hmm. So that's one positive that I have to give to this. The second is, like you said, Dina Ray and this vocal made me yeah. made me go back and listen to Come On Everybody. Cause I was like, yo, this sounds very familiar. I'm familiar with this. Yeah. I feel like he's done this before. Let me go yeah. back. So I went back and then I got into this rabbit hole of Google, right? To figure <laughs> out who, who Dina Ray is. And apparently like, She's this chick who's been around him and D12 since before they were on. Like she, mm -hmm. you know, she's she was there since day one. Um, but now she's kind of after after the the album after this, the Eminem show. Apparently, she had like this big falling out with Eminem. They don't fuck with each, each other anymore. She feels as though like you know he turned his back on her. She was on the Superman song and she wanted to be in the video and he wouldn't return her calls and he wouldn't let her be mm. in the video. Then there's this whole rumor mill around it that like he dealt with her on some sort of romantic level and then he got back with Kim, his baby mom, and he kind of discarded yeah, so her and all this other. I was just like, wow. Like, I, 
as somebody who just knew her as like, oh, the girl that's the voice on a few Eminem records, I was just like, wow, like there's all this history here. So to me, all of this stuff that I'm talking about is way more interesting than this song, Drug Ballad, which I think is just a really mediocre song. Sorry. Oh, I'm not saying it's a, a <laughs> great song. It's just, yeah. it's better than the one they tried. The, it's Come better on, than everybody. the one they attempted on some shady LP. Yeah, like yeah, I can yeah. actually bounce to this and sing along. Like, uh, cool. <laughs> sure. I'm looking her up. Oh, she's not bad. She's she's kind of cute. Yeah, she's cool. Shout where out to Dina Ray. I don't I don't know where she is now, but you know I don't know where she is either. But yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> that is a that that is an interesting rabbit hole. Such to, a to, random to rabbit hole. And, and you know, I'm, I'll go ahead and say you know to 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 the folks that are on on the line that are watching or listening, and you know, of course, to you, Outlaw. We know each other. I'm almost thankful that when I was really getting into hip hop, like in these days that we didn't have Google the way we do. Because oh the way my brain works, I probably would have just fucking sat there and, and Googled a whole bunch of shit that does not matter. Like this Dina yeah. Ray shit, I'm a grown ass man in my 30s. And I just was like, yo, who's Dina Ray? Oh shit, she did that? Oh, word? Oh, you know what I'm saying? So back then I probably would have done this times a hundred for all these random Easter eggs that we get on, on hip hop albums. Okay, so I need to amend my previous statement. She does not look good. I think the first picture I saw of her, she looked all right. I'm looking to see these other ones. And <laughs> yeah, Eminem can have her. All right, um, that's fucked up, but yeah, it yeah. is what it is. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> um, the next track we got here is uh, Amityville, and this is a highlight for you. Yes. It's, not a, it's not a low light for me. Mm -hmm. I'm neutral about it. I get mm -hmm. it. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of D12. I, yeah. I don't think they're very good. Yeah. Bizarre in particular oh my God. is not good at rapping. He's so bad. That being said, this is if there's ever a song to put Bizarre on, it is this one. Real. Real talk. Yeah, yeah, I think the reason it's a highlight for me, and again, I think maybe this is just a me thing. We talked about this when we talked about Eminem's, you know, one of his more recent albums. But like, I just personally am a fan over Eminem over really stripped down production. You know, give me like a breakbeat not too much instrumentation, not too busy, and just let Eminem get busy, right? And, mm -hmm. um, and I think Amityville to me is, from a production standpoint, Amityville and Remember Me are the closest to, if not, you know, right in the lane of what I like to hear Eminem over in terms of production. So, you know, you well, have And he, he does get a co-producer credit on this. Yeah, and I mean, it's a, it's a really stripped down beat, you know, and just him going in. Um, the other thing I'll say about this is, Eminem over this beat is so damn good that a song with Bizarre on it can land in my highlights. Because Bizarre <laughs> to me, if I have to, if somebody asked me who's the worst rapper of all time, and I and I like and I just had to come off the top of the head, I didn't get a chance to think about it or do any research. I think I might say Bizarre. He's pretty bad. I, I don't think I know anybody who's worse at rapping than Bizarre, and he's so Puff, fucking Puff? bad. Puff? Yes. Puff is way yeah. better than Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre is yeah, sure. awful. Bizarre. And, oh, Silk? Ooh. Yeah. Actually, he might be better than Silk. I, but but there's songs that Silk performed yeah. in a Silk way that has Bizarre a flavor could. about him. Silk the yeah. Shocker has a flavor about him that's almost kind of like charming how bad he is. Yeah. It's like it's like a joke. It's like he's bad, but yeah, like... Yeah, he's bad, but yeah. it's, like a, it's like a charisma to him that Bizarre just doesn't have. Exactly. Um, Bizarre, yeah. Bizarre is, is bad. And he's, he is that he is bad. And he's even bad on this song, right? This might be his best That's verse, bad. and it's still fucking shit. 
He's horrible yeah. on this. And yet the yeah. song, I still enjoy it. It still has redeemable qualities. Um, so yeah. shout out to Eminem for this song because, you know, to make a song with Bizarre on it, listenable is, I think says a lot about the song. You know, I, that's fair. Because I, I have all the same thoughts about Bizarre that you do. <laughs> yeah, so, he's so bad. That is fair. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the next track is, to me, it's a retrospective highlight. And that is okay. Bitch Please too. Okay. And the reason why it's a retrospective highlight is because when I first listened to this track mm -hmm. on the, on the you know, recently, uh -huh. went back to go listen to it, I was like, I have no memory of this song. <laughs> but like, it's Bitch Please too. Right. I can hear the the... the, the bits and pieces from bitch please i'm like right. clearly i like it right and then nate dog's hook comes in and i'm oh, like man. oh now i remember this song yeah oh because i remember this hook yeah so that so I, you know even though it's just i should just call it a highlight it's definitely a retrospective highlight because clearly mm. it wasn't a highlight for me enough back then yeah but um yeah this shit is this shit is dope it's a mullet to me um, really okay and i'll tell you why right um all right i don't i don't need this song Right. Okay. And so for like like from the perspective of when I go back and I think about music in this time frame and music in the 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 dog pound era, the whatever. Like if like like for example, I did a I did like a like a West Coast hip hop set. Like in yeah. no set would I ever play Be Please 2. It doesn't give the world something that Be Please 1 didn't give us besides the fact okay. that maybe Eminem's on it. Um Right. And so you know, when you have a song that has that has Nate Dog on it, which I mean, God, it's Nate Dog, bro. Yeah, like, you know they 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 used to have the the phrase. All the West Coast artists used to say this: "It ain't a hit till Nate Dog spit." If That's Nate fair. Dog is on it, it's it's we're already gonna listen to it. So you got you got Nate Dog, you got Snoop Dogg. He's he's the Martha Stewart of rap, right? Like I mean, cool. yeah. You know, you, you have Exhibit, who at the time I loved. I, I still love Exhibit, actually. Yeah. If I see Exhibit's yeah. name as a feature on something, I, I actually gravitate to it. I like I like Exhibit okay. as a rapper personally. Um, so, you know, I mean, you have a, such a star-studded event. So to make a record that nobody remembers with that That's much, fair. like, you know, fanfare to it, it it's just like, eh, you know. Um, I, I think that's fair. That's a very that's a better analysis than the one I gave. Mm -hmm. What I can say is it I enjoyed listening to this yeah. on this on this recent cycle. Yeah. One of the other things I do have to highlight about this song, though, uh -huh. is that I think that these these early years when Eminem is around Dre. Yeah. Is like peak Dre on the mic. Mm. And obviously, look, because he was writing write, it. We know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dre doesn't write. We know that. Right. We, we know that. But like, when you give Dre good writers, yeah. like he sounds good on the mic. Like he yeah. sounds good on 2001. Mm. He sounds good on this record. When Eminem is writing for him, like guilty is writing conscious for him. at concerts and have moss pits of motherfuckers knocking each other on conscious for sure. Eminem writing for Dre is definitely yeah, it's good. Yes. It's good. I have to highlight that. Yeah, it's good for sure. So, and yeah. this is like because I think this is this is the only period in Dre's entire music career mm -hmm. where I actually think he sounds good on the mic. Hmm. So you, you know, don't think like "Let Me Ride" and like those early you not, know DOC and, not, and Snoop records? Are he sounds better here though. Like he yeah. actually sounds like a dope MC here. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. 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 No, I, so, I I think from the perspective of you know what you call like album cuts. Yeah. I think it's a it's a cool album cut, and uh, again you know as a, a white boy creating a white boy hip hop album, this is the like. Yo, but I got black guys that fuck with me song, right? Like yeah. this is like the yeah, street yeah. cred record on the album. So That's I fair. get why it's there. I enjoy it. Yeah. Even when I go back, I still enjoy it. It's a it's a good song, but it's like it doesn't offer anything to hip hop that it didn't have already. 
That is fair. That is fair. Yeah. Um, now, for me, the rest of the songs on this album are are low lights for me, and we're yeah. gonna start it with the next one, which is Kim. It's obviously a low light, yeah. and you know, I I do have to say, objectively speaking, mm-hmm. it's actually not a bad piece of music. Okay. Content wise, obviously, it's it's bad. It's deplorable, but like, the hook is it's not my kind of hook but like we talked about eminem as like as a pop artist okay and this is almost like you know that kind of pop songy like oh woe is me kind of hook that people will sing along to like i i remember people singing along to this Mm -hmm. and i was like why do you guys like that song it's it's not good Mm. um but like i have so many questions about this song like this whole shit with you and kim it's not my fucking business (laughs) why are you why are you making this why is this such a point for you to make this shit my business why is the song so fucking graphic and it really is graphic like he's going through like literally the entire process of killing and strangling this woman with the fucking sound effects Mm -hmm. dude what the fuck is wrong with you like seriously what is wrong with you you know you're talking you're talking about all these other people who are like oh you know i I think he has some issues i think you need some counseling motherfucker you need counseling (laughs) what is wrong with you seriously what is wrong with you I personally have never listened to this song all the way through. I probably got into maybe the 30 second mark. Um, I even <laughs> this time around, like I was just like, I'm a grown ass man. Like I'm not, I'm not listening to some shit that's like, you know, violence, like sexual violence, violence against women, whatever, like yeah. on some cartoonish, like, hey, check out my, you know, you know, horror film on, like I, I just, I, I get what you're trying to do here, bro, but it, it is not is not for me. This this shit is not for me. I, I didn't so, listen to it. I'm not going to. The reason why, you know, Kill You is a highlight for me and why that song, the subject matter on that doesn't like hit me. Because I mm-hmm. recognize like that song is misogynistic as fuck. And right. I remember listening to it, I was like, wow, like, yeah, you must really just not have a respect for women to to talk about yeah, them on that there's, song that like, he does, there's right? like specific bars where he says something about like um yeah mom like bend over and take it like a real slut or some shit like that right and it's just like you know and then he's like oh now he's raping his own mother it's like yeah like now you're raping your own mother. like why why is yeah. that something that you would imagine in your mind why and i i think to me the reason why that song is still a highlight is because i know it's like all right here we go slim shady character mm-hmm. whatever he's mm-hmm. doing his alien shit again uh-huh. it's it's bizarre it's dumb yeah. but i think on on this song it's something that we're kind of supposed to take seriously um not like the bonnie and clyde joint that he has on uh on slim shady where he's like kind of rapping in this like childish tone to his daughter mm-hmm. which i thought was sick in its own right but mm-hmm. like the the question i have for this is it okay why are you actually making this this song like why are you doing it like shock is this supposed to but that's it like is it is it is it shock value is this song supposed to be able to resonate with people are they supposed to be like yeah like i know what it's like to to want to strangle my wife who by the way at the time i think they're actually married yeah they're married time right and they 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 get married again i want to say in 2006 i don't think they're married right now right right, right knows but like is this entertainment is this is this for somebody who is like struggling? So here's my problem with Eminem right. and this record. And when I say record, I mean the entire album. Mm-hmm. You're punching back against the media who have, have taken shots at you for your subject matter, right? Right. And then you also say on records that like, yeah, we're not supposed to take you seriously. Right. It's like, okay. 
And on a song like, on a record like Kill You or whatever, like, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're not supposed to take you seriously. Fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, on the why have a song like this? Because someone is actually going to listen to that and it's probably going to impact them in a certain way where they might actually go through with that. Like, this is a song that you might actually listen to. Like, you're not yeah. supposed to listen to Kill You and come away with that song or like even like Guilty guilty Concerts, right? right? You're not supposed to listen to those records and come away with the perspective like, yeah, it's okay to treat women this way. Mm-hmm. Some idiot might, but whatever. Like, I, I think that, you know, the intelligent listeners are smart enough to know that like, yeah, that's just a, a stupid song. Right. But like, this is a song that like, no, someone might actually listen to this and go through with it. So it's like, what's the point of this? Like, right. why are you, why are you doing it? And it's so yeah. graphic yeah. with the, with the, with the sound effects and everything. And like, you know, he's like rapping for her perspective as well. And she's like, why, why are you doing this? And mm-hmm. I know people were listening to this song yeah. and they were singing the hook. Yeah. It's like, why, why, why did you make this record? I, I just don't get it. I think it did what he wanted it to do, you know? And I, I mean, I, I don't think either of us are really able to, to get into the mind of like an angry white middle American kid, right? But yeah. But I think, you know, he had a target demographic for this. Some people, (laughs) you know, some people listen to this, uh, you know, kind of from the outside, like, oh, wow, you know, but, you know, it resonated, I think, with, you know, when we talk about Trump and his core, it resonated with Eminem's core. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I knew that when this came out, I knew that this wasn't for me. (laughs) <laughs> um and and i didn't listen to it then and i i won't listen to it now like i just good yeah. good for you yeah, I've you're never a better man it. for it so uh, mm-hmm. you have listened to it under the influence though right yes that to me is a low light yes it was a low light then it's a low light now yeah. um you know that little yeah 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 like <laughs> nah i'm i'm good on that um i think that you know the lyrics are actually fine mm-hmm. um at least his lyrics are yeah. i think he got d12 on this yes. they suck i'm not a big fan of them yeah you know M- eminem co-produces this track but like you know this song might have been good for the time because i'm i'm sure that there were people who were singing along mm-hmm. singing you know, singing along with the hook of this but like mm-hmm. i don't think it's aged very well yeah um i agree with yeah. you i think you know i think for me personally this 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 speaks to how bad d12 is right like i i really like yeah. I, I usually like posse cuts right this is the posse cut on this album um this is the opportunity for us to get to hear d12 um their verses just aren't that good right. uh, the hook is silly and annoying if you're if you're 10 years old you can sing along with it i guess and like throw your middle finger up um yeah. the lyrics themselves are kind of like a a very on the nose representation of like what the album is in general supposed to be about right like it yeah like generally the album's like you know f y'all if you don't like me i don't care i'm uh, rebellious or whatever right that's fine right. but then to make a song that's like f y'all i don't care i'm rebellious and that's actually the lyrics and then you say like yeah 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 in the background like yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i'm a grown-ass man dog i ain't listen to that shit so nah this doesn't resonate with me i'm good how about criminal I feel like this could have been like just like a like a meh song that would have just been in the middle of the album somewhere. Um, and like, you know, what he kind of did with the whole like little skit element of it at the end, I guess, kind of, you know, you know, it lent itself to to what he was trying to say. I don't love the song, but it's fine. Yeah. It works on the album. I, I think I was cool with it back in the day. It's a retrospective low light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, I think the lyrics are fine. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, this is another basic ass beat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got another co-producer credit on here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm just not sure how well it aged. I mean, like maybe if you had the song at the beginning, I probably would have liked it.、Mm-hmm. Maybe if you had "Kill You" at the end, I probably would not have liked it. I think、mm-hmm. at this, by the time I finally listened to this right, song, I'm,、like, right. I'm kind of like over this kind of yeah, sound. Concept, yeah, and yeah.、Uh, it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm over it. I'm tired of it.、Yeah. You know, it, it is what it is. So for me, it's it's a low light. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I, I mean, I, I think I, I feel the same way as you.、It. Like by the time I got to Criminal. He wasn't really saying anything that I haven't heard yet,、yeah. um, and the song isn't like you know brilliant in such a way that I still care. So I think you know, at at this point, similar to you, like by the time Kim comes around, yeah, Kim turns me off, and then the next、yeah. song's not that good, and then by the time I get to Criminal, I'm just like, okay, well, song album over, you know? Yeah, yeah, and you know, obviously this album has some lowlights on it.、Um, But I think that despite those lowlights, it's still like this is a good album aesthetically. Yes, like it sounds, it sounds good. Yeah,、um, it hasn't aged as well as say Drake two thousand one for obvious reasons. Right, right.、Um, and there's other albums that came out around that time that it, I think have aged. They haven't aged at all. They're they're timeless. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily say this music, this piece of music, is timeless,、mm. but it is a perfect time capsule. Yes. Um. I'm so glad that we decided to give this album a thorough analysis because、mm-hmm. there's some albums we go back and we give tributes to, and we're like, look, we recognize it's important, but we don't really analyze the album as much as we did this one. I'm right, glad right. we did. Yeah. Um. It's an it's a really important talking piece for sure. And yeah, there's just, there's so much to take from this album. Yeah. You、definitely. know, even the things I don't like it. Like about it, it's great things to take from this album. Yeah, it's interesting, man. Like, like this is,、uh, I think, also an important time for for you and I both age wise, like in terms of our、yes. developmental.、Yeah. Um, so you know, really kind of being, this is one of those ones where we talk about the where were you and the moment, and we、mm-hmm. were really in the moment, like in our in our own ways. We're kind of in that bridge between, like you know. White America, and like we're kind of finding our own identities, and we're seeing,、yeah. you know, we're seeing the people around us and how this impacts them as a piece of popular culture.、Um, yeah. and, and so I think, I think honestly, we're the right guys for the job when it comes to like this album because, to some degree, this album was made for us. Like it was made for our、yeah. age group. It definitely you know, was, and where we were. So, so、uh, Look, yeah. Look, I don't do black music. I don't do white music. I make fight music for high school kids.、Yeah. That's what this album is、yeah. for me. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, and shout But, out to、uh, Elton John for being a good sport. I want、yeah. to. I want to put that. Out I remember、there. that. Like when when he brought Elton John out to perform "Stand," I feel like, you know, I, I don't know if if it, if it speaks so much to Eminem and 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 who he is as it does to Elton John and who he is. Like just because he didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Well, look, I don't have anything else to add. I think we we discussed a lot.、Um, yeah. I think there's some good stuff in there. So for、yeah. sure, yeah. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed this. Definitely hit us in the comments. Let us know what else you want to hear us talk about,、um, because we, you know, are definitely open to to hearing those suggestions. Peace.
but you still ain't calling I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom I sent two letters back in autumn, you must not have got them There probably was a problem at the post office or something Sometimes I scribble addresses too sloppy when I jot them But anyways, fuck it, what's been up, man? How's your daughter? My girlfriend's pregnant too, I'm about to be a father If I have a daughter, guess what I'ma call her? I'ma name her Bonnie I read about your Uncle Ronnie too, I'm sorry I had a friend kill himself over some bitch who didn't want him I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan I even got the underground shit that you did with Scam I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man I like the shit you did with Rockets too, that shit was fat Anyways, I hope you get this, man Hit me back, just a chat, truly yours, your biggest fan This is Stan, 